Welcome to Romero Records podcast, and today we have on Sam Reeves. How's it going, Sam? Hello, everybody. It's going great. Good, good. So uh, I brought you on because uh, basically, as I do with most of the other people I bring on, I pretty much just stalk your Instagram and, <laughs> and then talk about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I saw that you do a lot of art, and mm-hmm. as you were telling my wife before we came in, you do art. Uh, what exactly kind of art have you uh, really been into, and how long have you been doing it? So I've always been, I guess, a creative person. I've, drew, I've drawn since I was little, and I've always been interested in, in it. But I didn't know if it was like a career path option. And um, I went to Christian Brothers University, and I went in originally as a computer engineer. And okay. I, um, I was going to minor in graphic design. And then I realized that I really enjoyed the arts a lot more than sitting in front of the computer the whole day and stuff like that so I kind of went over to that area and fell in love with it um, just as a release of all the stuff I keep in my head I don't know Um, yeah and then um, I graduated college and I was playing basketball and I was going to play overseas and then that didn't work out and so I needed a um, I went through like a um, emotional time where mm-hmm. I I had never failed a class before. I was like an A B student all life, and I got really depressed and anxi- had anxiety issues, and oh, I just really dropped the ball. And it was the last semester of college, so I had to retake it. Mm-hmm. And then um, so that time I was it's kind of weird, like hard to explain, but like. It was going to be a fall, a summer course, and then the summer course got dropped. So mm-hmm. I had to retake it the next semester. So I kind of got out of shape, like wasn't doing as much, trying to work through my emotional stuff. And then um, when I started the next the class, it was a very personal, like it was my senior thesis is what I what I was doing, and it was like a personal thing, and it was um, I, it was the first time I did like drawing art instead of graphic art. And I felt so, it was the first time I felt connected to something the way I used to feel about basketball. So I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to go in a different direction. So, okay. yeah. So when you, when you were playing basketball, how much did that like take away from your time and, and art? It was a lot. Like that was my passion. That was my emotional outlet. Um, and that was, it was of my identity. Like I, I identified a lot in basketball. So... That was kind of part of the emotional crisis I had was when I realized basketball was coming to an end and I couldn't really figure out like what my next step was at that point. I had that had been who I was for so long. I like didn't know who I was anymore without mm. the sport. So um, I was very involved in basketball. It was my passion. I've been playing since competitively since I was nine and. Um, I was pretty successful, so I really, that was, I guess, it was something I learned later that so many college athletes go through an identity crisis Mm -hmm. after it ends because nobody's really prepared for that not, you you know that it's going to end, but like you don't really understand. Oh, you don't want to believe it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, so it was just a, a journey and I've I'm thankful for it because yeah. I'm extremely happy where I am now but Good. it was a very tough little 
transition. Well, even that, like, there's so few, like, okay, take all the high schools in the world and all the athletes that play, very small percentage of them go play college ball. Mm -hmm. And then take that percentage of college players and very few of them go play at the next level. Mm -hmm. So just for you to be able to have that thought yeah. in your head just puts you at a top tier because some players, you know, they're playing, they're just there to play. Right. And there's, so there's a guy that plays for Alabama right now. Mm -hmm. and um, Saban, uh, Alabama's head coach, he was talking about how the guy just quit. Mm -hmm. He was a freshman. He was like Alabama's top recruit mm -hmm. and doesn't show up for class, doesn't show up to practice. Yeah. And you were putting in all the work and you were devastated at the fact that you weren't going to be able to continue. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who aren't even showing up to class yeah. and yeah. <laughs> practice. So it's 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 crazy how much pressure is also put on athletes as well. Yeah, well, that was part of it. And, like, I'm, I'm, I don't blame anybody. Mm -hmm. But I was one of the people they leaned on on the team for scoring. And, mm -hmm. and majority of, like, I, I was the top scorer on our basketball team. And I was, like, the team captain. And it was kind of like, as long as Sam's performing – she's fine. So it was like nobody was really checking to see how I was feeling. Not that anybody should, you know, but like, I, should. <laughs> I know, like, I feel like I'm putting responsibility on somebody else when it was me, mm -hmm. like my experience, but I felt like because I was performing well, everybody was like, nothing's wrong. But I was like, I'm a bottler and I've had to learn how to not bottle everything that I'm, you know, gotcha. yeah. So did you ever, uh, I guess, not so much trying to like put it on somebody else, but trying to reach out and see if anybody was like going through the same thing or anything like that? See, I didn't do that until I went through that experience my, my senior year where I was like, I failed a class, which was like devastating for me. Because I like had a very high GPA in high school. Mm -hmm. I did well in the ACT. I did well in my college. Like I, I never struggled academically. So that was like a, like a it, it was hard for me to be like, wow, you really dropped the ball there. Mm. And um, it all kind of came around like, I don't really know like how heavy or where we're going with this, but I, um, I'd experienced like a sexual assault and I tried to pretend like it didn't happen. Mm. And so like I've been like burying that for mm. my freshman year to my senior year. Okay. So like that was kind of what happened was all of that was like trying to come out and I was trying to like not admit that that had happened to me. Uh, so like that, that can just trickle down yeah, over time. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's very good that you came out of that because a lot of people, they, they don't mm -hmm. come out of that. They, yeah. dig, they dig a hole and then they stay in that hole. Mm -hmm. But for you to be able to actually, you know, acknowledge it and get past it, that's, I mean, it's very impressive. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so, it was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so after so after you get done with the basketball and then you start getting into your art uh, you're you know I guess uh, diving into the art did you feel like you had I don't want to say messed up but do you feel like you left something like you you will only get one life mm -hmm. so did you feel like you know dang I, I missed that life or what I would say like I'm better now than I would probably still get emotional if I really started thinking about mm. that. Like, I don't go to the gym. I don't really shoot anymore. I'll play pickup every once in a while, but I don't, like, put in a lot of 
time. Whereas that used to kind of be like my like de-stressor was to just go and get shots up, go and do drills. And um, I've had a lot of opportunities to coach and just something like I am not ready to be on the sideline yet. So like when I go and like I'm like, I think I could do this. And then I'm watching other people play and I'm like, I want to be on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And like I know one day that will change, but it's kind of hard for me to to do that right now. So okay. it's kind of like I've kind of put basketball um, to the side and I love it, passionate about it. I still train people sometimes. Sorry, I thought I had up. <laughs> but um, I still train people sometimes, but it's not something I invest a lot of time in right now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, of course, take your time, do what you need to do to get back to that position if that's what you want to do. But as somebody who used to play sports, I love seeing coaches that are super animated and it feels like they want to be right there mm -hmm. with you. Those are the best coaches yeah. because they're, they're personal. They mm -hmm. say, uh, a player's coach, yeah. what people call them, is because you feel like that that coach is really interested in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. They're not just there to get a paycheck and, yes. and move on. To yes, and that else. is, like, I feel very passionate about it, and it's, yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I could go on and on and on. But, yeah. We got time. <laughs> so, um, is there anything that you have been trying to do as far as, like, I did see you were doing, like, were you just with the team or? or I um I worked for a, a short period of time, but it just it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. um, I've done um, I've trained high school students, um, but it's not a lot of. I was I played in Somerville, Tennessee. I don't know if you know where that is, but it's Fayette okay. County. It's like an hour from here, um, east. And it's a really small town, um, and we, when my, my little sister played basketball too, we played ball together, she was a year below me. And so we had a very successful high school career, like we went, we took the school to state for the first time ever, three years in a row, and yeah, so we have a good relationship with the basketball programs out there, um, and I will work with a lot of like the girls from my hometown and um, stuff like that. I have a few Memphis girls that I work with from time to time, but nobody's really been serious enough about it to pursue it, like, where they keep going. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of girls are eventually like, oh, I don't really want to do this. So, yeah. I Same I guess that comes <laughs> back to the passion part for me. I, I struggle, and I, like, I, I don't even know how this is going to sound, but I struggle to really coach and lead people who don't really want to be there because I, I wanted to be there so bad. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I, so. I do that with music. Like if I'm like trying to make music with people, so I, I, I try to contact a lot of people just like over Instagram or mm -hmm. Twitter or something. And if I can't get like a constant feedback from them, then I'm just like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Because I, I have such a passion for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if I can't get you on that same level as me, yeah. then I'm just like, okay. Yeah. yeah, I need to move on to somebody who's, mm -hmm. who's working just as hard yes. as I am. So. And that's like another thing with like, not even at all college <laughs> levels, but like at high school levels, you do have a lot of people who are just there to, for like the team atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so just high school girls can just be, you know, an interesting experience. Yeah. So, so you said you played at Christian Brothers, right? Yes. 
So that is another thing. Like, I never heard of Christian Brothers. It looks phenomenal. Mm -hmm. At first, I thought it was a high school. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's an there is a high school, but there is a yeah, high it's an all boys school, <laughs> okay. and it used to be an all boys college. But I, I can't remember the exact year. It was maybe like 40, 50 years ago. It switched to coed. Okay. So that's this one is close to. Um, it's like a a rock climbing place. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Is this? Yeah, the that's university? the high school. That's the high school. Yeah, the high school is like. Oh my god, <laughs> that place looks amazing. Yeah. Because I first, again, I thought it was a high school and I was like, that's an amazing high school. And then I was like, oh, there's a Christian Brother University. Yeah. That's just the university. The university is off of Central and um, East Parkway. So, like, okay. I have no idea really. Yeah. So, Midtown. Little, okay. Little story me and Rachel just moved here in April. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm from Alabama okay. and she's from Ohio. Okay. So I was in the Air Force, and um, that's where I met her. She was mm -hmm. going to school at Minot State, and that's where I was stationed mm -hmm. in Minot, uh, North Dakota. So, okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was <laughs> seeing that school. I was like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really little. We were like 2,000 people enrolled. Like, it's little. Like, it's smaller wow. than a lot of high schools. Oh, my God. Is it like a private school? Yeah. It's a oh, private university. Okay. okay. Um, it's Division Two. We're in the Gulf south conference which is a very competitive conference um with a lot of like delta state um university um I'm, they've been moving everybody around now because i know since i left in 2017 they have new people in the conference and out so i'm not really sure who all but i know it's like one of the top ranked conferences in the d2 level oh so. okay. um so it's called Christian Brothers, but is it like a Christian school? It's LaSallian. Um, it's a LaSallian University. I mean, um, school. It's like about serving, um, kind of like a liberal arts type oh, thing. Oh, okay. So, gotcha, gotcha. So it's mainly people who go to that school do like art type. Um, it's a really high ranked engineering school. Mm -hmm. um, that's like kind of what they're known for is the engineering program. Um, they. There aren't there aren't many people in the arts there, yeah, but um, there's a lot. Uh, I mean, I feel like I keep saying there's a lot, but it's a very small school. But yeah, like, yeah. It, it's a, a lot of engineering, majority engineering, um, business, um, stuff like that. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, so I guess let's talk about your art. So, yes. with your art, um, what have you been able to do? Um, so I, I'm kind of figuring it all out. I'm doing a lot of reading, a lot of research. I, um, like I was telling Rachel earlier, I have a, it, like, I jump around a lot. Mm. I have really bad ADHD, <laughs> and I will, like, I like that I can do paintings that are very technical, and then if I get tired of being so, like, involved like you know like high detail, mm. then I can jump back and do, like, you know, like photography, where that's just, mm. like, a whole different, you know, it just a different experience yeah. and like I can take a break from something because I'm really bad about jumping projects right. my house has to be clean or I'm not gonna be able to focus on anything because <laughs> I'm like oh wait let me go do the dishes and yeah, then I'll yeah. go do something else and I'm like oh wait let me go full long so yeah everything has to be kind of in order I'm, I'm just like that I'm not a I'm not a clean freak but mm -hmm. I'm a neat freak yes like things need to be in order in order like, I, Specifically, put that keyboard right there so it's not in the way. But if I want to use it, I can use it. Yes, that's right there. So if I want to use it, it's 
very accessible. Right, but it's so, out of the way. Yeah, yes. so everything, <laughs> everything has its place. Yes. It might look like it's just there, but it's, it has a reason for it. Mm -hmm. um, so when you are going from those different things, did you uh, specifically learn uh, like photography because it dealt with like an art concept or were you just like so I always enjoyed photos in general like I was from a young age like I always had like a lot of picture books I liked I really liked um I was really loved horses when I was little like I read like a horse encyclopedia I really wanted one my parents were like that's not happening so, <laughs> <laughs> so I just put all that in that so I drove horses for a long time so oh, I've wow. sold a couple horse drawings that um but then I was like that's not really the the direction I want to go in I'm very you know I like philosophy and spirituality and mindfulness and mysticism and every, like I'm interested in like just all the things mm -hmm. and I just felt like nature which is also you know kind of a part of that didn't give me the outlet that I wanted mm -hmm. um photography when I was in school I took my first photography class and I fell in love with it I love I've always been weird about like I like to take stuff apart and put it back together and try to fix stuff. Mm. And so when I was learning about the way the camera worked and like how a DS DSLR, unlike like a digital camera that you just point and shoot, yeah. there's so many little things you have to know to frame the photo right to make everything look yeah. as good as it can look before you put it into the computer. So it was very thought provoking for me. And um so after that, I bought my first camera, and I thought that I had bought, like, this great camera. And then, like, I would, like, it, you know, like, several years later, people were like, what do you use? And I would tell them, and they're like, oh. And, like, I would, so, like, was I, it was a Nikon D3200. So, oh. like, I, it was a great starter camera, but I just invested in, like, a Sony a7 III, and oh. it's, it's my baby. <laughs> it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's so nice. And, um... I'm still figuring it all out because I know it's the system runs more similar, similar. Oh gosh, I can't say it. It's more similar to a Canon. So yeah. like I went, I bought an Icon because that's what our class cameras were. So I already knew how to use them. No but um, I'm in love with it. It's amazing and yeah. She she is not sponsored by. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's sponsored. I would love one in the future, but <laughs> yeah, I, I really want one of those. Yeah. Those too. it's those are like phenomenal mm -hmm. cameras. From like I I, I like to just Google uh, people's uh, or you know YouTube people's mm -hmm. uh, quality product of mm -hmm. what, whatever they're using. That way I can see what I want to use. Right. And, those Sonys. I even contacted uh, was, uh, Carlton Banks. Mm -hmm. He uh, produces a lot of rap videos and stuff like that. And um, I was looking at his his work and the, the, just the quality of those cameras are, are phenomenal. Yeah. I've got a friend um, who also uses like, I think he uses Sony. Yeah, I think he uses Sony. But, I, you know, I'm using, using the Canon and so I was just trying to look at the difference mm -hmm. in the two. Uh, he told me that he really liked my Canon. I use a um, T7i, okay. Rebel T7i, and uh, I like it, but I know there's better. Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, <laughs> I just don't. You're know. always on the pursuit. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't know what that what gap is mm -hmm. really better because the Canon has like this one Mark. Uh, I think it's the 5D, and then there's. 
1D or something like mm-hmm. that. I forgot what the names of them are, but some of them are really great for video, and then mm-hmm. some of them are just like great, really great like picture, like right. picture taking camera. So it's just hard. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's so much information. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm like getting a grasp on it, and then somebody will ask me a question, I'm like, oh, I have no idea yeah. what that even is. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot. I um. I know with like the Sony, I got it for the photography, but then I had somebody who was like, that is, the, they, they, they did videography with it, and they're like, you need to try that, and I was like, I'm sure, why yeah. not, I'm just, you know, feeling it all out, so, so I, mean, I don't know, what, done, you know I've, video? I've done a little bit, but I've realized that I need a stabilizer, so that's like one of my next yeah. purchases, because yeah, that thing, <laughs> that, it was like going everywhere, I was like, no, this isn't going to work. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I've been looking at, uh, what is it, the Ronin, it's the... DJI or something okay. like that. That's a uh, a motorized stabilizer. It's about like seven hundred bucks. Yeah. It's got like the uh, the one you handle. can hold. Yes. Yeah. It's got a handle like this, and it also has handles like this. Mm-hmm. So it's got like everything. Then there's another one. God, I can't think. Moza. Moza makes one where it's like just the the handle like this. Yeah. And you put the camera on top, and it's still motorized. Mm-hmm. So it'll it'll turn and everything. Yeah. I feel like now, that would get tiring. That one's like four hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> stiff on. Yeah, like this I worked on. for a um, a one of my college jobs was for a photography company called Grad Images. So we did like college graduations and stuff like that. And let me tell you, when there's like two thousand graduates and you just have to like oh, sit there and point, like God. it was you would be sore the next day. So I'm just thinking about that and I'm like that sounds terrible holding a video, Jesus. trying to video shoot like that. But <laughs> well, I would definitely. I would definitely look at that um, the Ronin. I, mm-hmm. It's one of those things again, like we were talking about the the light. It had some really great reviews and then like some really bad reviews. Again, for seven hundred dollars for a stabilizer, I would figure it would be a pretty like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's yeah. five stars. But probably just really picky. Yeah, I have seen this. Um, God, what is the name of that thing? It's like some sort of ring, mm-hmm. and it's just like just literally just looks like a like an oval, and you can hold it on the sides. Uh, do you ever looked at uh, Peter McKinnon? It, it's not ringing bell. Look up Peter McKinnon okay. on YouTube. He has a lot of like camera views, mm-hmm. and he takes great pictures. Mm-hmm. He even uh, sometimes he'll take people's like people who watch the YouTube videos. They send him in their photos, and he will Photoshop the photos. Oh, cool. Like like YouTube in it, he'll yeah. show you like what he what does. To do. yeah. Yes. And okay. It's like <laughs> yeah, Photoshop blows my mind too. There's. I, like I'll figure something out and then there's a million other things like I admire the people who really you know and I'm it sounds like weird but there's just like so many drop down menus and I'll figure out like what three of those things do and there's like still 40 and I'm just are <laughs> you ever going to get there yeah know. which that goes back to so I'm I'm an automation technician at Owens Corning I deal with like robots and mm-hmm. programming and okay. stuff and coding stuff like that well that takes up a lot of my time because I can spend, you know, regular 40 hours a week or I can spend 60 hours there. Mm-hmm. It's just completely up to me. But then I also do my music on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got Romero Records as my business and then I also have um, just like books I like to read. I'm just constantly doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I just bought a new gun. I want to yeah. worry about that. So I'm constantly just all yes. over the place. But um, so when you were thinking about doing the photography, you got the art how again i know i'm going kind no, of going back to fine. a question but sometimes i go off the <laughs> side and i'm like i probably didn't even answer that question so. i know you left the basketball you know kind of in the back burner 
but I feel like I've left football in my in like in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. And I actually uh, hit up one of my friends, John Hill. I told him I was like, dude, when we hit sixty, he, he's an air, he's a uh, Navy pilot right mm-hmm. now. But I told him I was like, when we hit sixty, we're becoming football coaches. <laughs> I was like, just think about it. We, yeah. we're, we're old and we're gonna be like settled down in a in a city. Yeah. And we're just gonna create a powerhouse football team. That would be fun. <laughs> so yeah. do, do you feel like you know that's what you want to do as far as basketball, like? You know, when you're done with photography or is it like you want to keep the photography or you want to keep the art you want to keep doing I, that I think I will always create on the side mm-hmm. um, it's something that like I did kind of let go when I was so fully invested in basketball and mm-hmm. it was something I still needed so I think I will always continue to, to paint and to create and photograph and all that stuff but um, I definitely could see myself like I don't know, when I have kids one day, like, if they want me to be their coach. Because, mm. you know, some people are like, some kid, you know, some kids yeah. didn't like it. My dad was a great coach. Um, so it just depends on the environment. But I definitely could see myself getting back into coaching at some point. Okay. So I think it's, it's a big deal to invest that kind of time. Because, you know, if, some coaches, they'll be, uh, they'll coach at a school for like, 30 years Mm -hmm. or something like that and then other you know they move around they like to move up do you think you would want if you did do that do you think you would want to you know progress and go like college i would definitely want to yes i would definitely want to do higher level at some point um i feel like i learned a lot um my coaching style i mean not coaching my leadership style Mm. changed drastically from my freshman year to my senior year. Um, I kind of, my sister and I played together all the time. My dad always said, you know, she's 5'6", I'm 6'1". So it was like, I'm thankful that y'all did not play the same position. I only one child. We were just very competitive. We would like go at it. Like we probably went way harder than, we just would go hard. And um, so we were very motivated by aggression you know like yelling like stuff like that and um we played i have two male cousins who both play college basketball so we would all me and my sister and i would always play pick up with the guys so like we had like a different not every it was just aggressive like so like i was not the one to be like hey you should do it this way i would like yeah. So I just, my coach was like, Sam, like, you know, like you are a really good player. Like I started from my freshman year all the way through and she was like, but that's not going to work with everybody. Mm -hmm. So like she started making me read like leadership books and it was a, it was, I didn't like it because I am like kind of aggressive. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, like I was like, I want to yell, like I want to get this out. Like I just, I just was, I'm loud. So I had to really reevaluate the way that I approach things. And mm. was I perfect? No. You could probably find some of my teammates and they'd be like, Sam was mean. But I tried. <laughs> like, I, you know, like, I really would try to do my best to, and if I, if I stepped on people's toes, you know, like, learning to be like, hey, I was wrong. Like, mm. you know, like, taking the responsibility and being like, I messed up there. And I shouldn't have done that. And, like, you know, trying to mend any type of hurt feelings because women are just different. Yeah. And... You can have one girl who is so motivated by one thing, and then another girl who, if you if you yell, she's going to shut down and not be able to like keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think that is also important as a coach 
to be able to pick up on what motivates each player. And if you can't figure out how to communicate with each person in their way that brings out the best in them, you're probably not going to be that successful as a coach. That's, that's completely well, true. Um, I am actually the type of person that if you yell at me, I, <laughs> I don't really care what you have to say after that. Yeah. But, um, I, but it's weird because I'm more like you when it comes to um, dealing with sports like mm -hmm. with at work if somebody's doing stupid stuff then i'm more of a like how i'm talking right now like mm -hmm. hey you probably shouldn't have done that what you should have did mm -hmm. was this but with sports um yeah. <laughs> i mean it's a different thing it's yeah. like it's very like i i, I don't know it's just different yeah. when you're out there and there's people like you know in the stands and you can't hear everything some yelling is necessary yeah but not everybody thinks <laughs> and it's also just getting that emotion. Mm -hmm. You feel like when you yell, um, I think they've done like scientific studies on like when people are like lifting weights and they like yes. run and yell, it actually like boosts. Boosts the adrenaline. I don't know if it's adrenaline, but it boosts something. Yeah, you know, it, it so. boosts your energy. And mm -hmm. You just you do more because you're yelling, mm -hmm. and that's that's a, that's a pretty crazy thing. It is. And for people to like when I see certain athletes like do well, mm -hmm. but they're like super calm, like. Um, I'm assuming you know who um, Kawhi Leonard is. Mm -hmm. Kawhi is a very calm person. Yes. Doesn't, doesn't seem like he shows that emotion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's showing a lot yeah. of emotion, but usually he doesn't. But he's one of the best in the game. I just think about the um, that last game that they won and how like you could just see it. Like he just like released. It was like he released the whole yeah. season <laughs> and that one like... <laughs> that one moment. So yeah. yeah. And, trying to get somebody else to understand where you're coming from. So if you're a very energetic type person and when somebody else isn't, mm -hmm. it almost frustrates you more <laughs> that yeah. they aren't where you are. Mm -hmm. So I, I really enjoy, I guess, just like watching other players like interact mm -hmm. and seeing that, that one, like, um, like a Russell Westbrook, mm -hmm. like he is very animated, very energetic mm -hmm. when he like, People say he tortures rims because yeah. when he dunks, like it looks like the rims about to break. Yes. So other players aren't like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you see. I mean, I think Steph Curry is a very. He can be animated. Yeah. But uh, he seems pretty cool, calm, collected for the most part until yeah. something doesn't go his way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's very fun just seeing how humans mm -hmm. how they deal with things. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to. Um, what was it? I, th I think I just wanted to be a coach in, I guess, just like any kind of guy sport, but then also do female sports because I like to see the interaction of females. So I was watching like um, a volleyball game yesterday. It was uh, Stanford versus Nebraska, and which volleyball is crazy because they do um, one versus two mm -hmm. like all the time. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen in like football. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, football, you you will rarely see one versus two or mm -hmm. three versus four during the season. Right. Like, tomorrow, um, Georgia Notre Dame play, and that's like three versus nine. But that like that doesn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so just watching how the players interact in a volleyball game and uh, for females, and then also how the coach has to interact. I'm I'm just thinking. I'm like, man, that is. The coach probably looked late 30s, early mm -hmm. 40s. I'm like, that's a late 30s, early 40-year-old man having to deal with these 
19, 20 year old girls. Like, mm-hmm. that's got to be an emotional roller coaster. Well, I just think, like, with women in general, like, when it comes to basketball, um, I think that women play much more fundamental. I mm-hmm. think that if you can get a group of girls that play well together and, and empathize with each other and know each other well, there is a much more team effort involved than what you will see from a lot of male, like, kind of run-and-gun type basketball. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's very, like, fundamental, yeah. you know? And um, with the sports in general, I feel like women are much more likely to sacrifice their ego for the betterment of the team. Really? Yes. Hmm. Than what I've noticed. Like, whereas, like, the men just try to figure out how to get all their egos to work together. The okay. women are like, I will sacrifice mine so that we can all what do you succeed. Think? I just think women in general are very aware that it's bigger than them. Mm. I think, like, being biologically that we are mothers and nurturers, okay. it's like a a thing yeah. with that. You have a more family aspect mm-hmm. to it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I, you know, I, I like to... I like to figure out the difference between guys and girls as far as, like, how they play. But, you know, everybody talks about... Um, men and women as far as like in their sports and um, you know people say the female athletes aren't as interesting to watch because they can't do the same stuff that guys do but if you sit there and watch like females play is it's, it's still pretty interesting, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you take out you know what you're looking for mm-hmm. like when you watch you know an NBA game you're you trying to wait. watch dunks and like all this yeah. Spe- like yeah it's not going to be like that yeah. but. you're, you're going to be bored out your mind mm-hmm. but if you're watching the players specifically mm-hmm. and trying to see how the game is being played mm-hmm. that's pretty interesting yeah um, I, they were they were making fun of um, some girls basketball game it was a college game and um, they had, it was like a bunch of turnovers back to back to mm-hmm. back and then a bunch of missed layups and they were like uh, this is why we don't watch girls basketball but I was like that's one part of the game yeah, yeah. well <laughs> I think, I think it's that. so funny like if you watch consistently like you know sport like sports and all that stuff they so often look for the negative things that happen in women's sports oh, yeah. instead of the positives you know like you'll see the highlights of what they did wrong but you won't see like a really great game where like there was just so much action and you know team effort so yeah. I I feel like it's definitely improved since you know like over the years like it's kind of getting better but there's still like a war between the sexes yeah, when it comes to athletics. I think the biggest thing recently was um, what's her name Rapinoe. Can't think of it. the soccer player. Yes. You know yes. What I'm talking about? Yeah, they were uh, a lot of people were talking about her and which it was like a lot of political stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly not even really familiar with it. I actually posted it on. Uh, Instagram, I think, Instagram or Twitter, mm-hmm. and was asking people about because I had no idea mm-hmm. about it, but um, they were talking about uh, the female soccer team trying to get paid equivalent to, like, what the men's get paid. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it has a lot to do with, like, sponsorships mm-hmm. and ratings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. If people are watching, you're going to get paid more. If people aren't watching, you're not going to get paid as much. Do you think that that is going to get any kind of progress in the future? I think that there <coughs> is lots of room for progress. I think that, I guess, when you, I, I get, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say <laughs> this. I know that as a little girl growing up, you have a different 
experience with what you're told you can achieve. Mm. Um, and then I also realized that like I had a different experience as a very tall, muscular, strong woman where I had people were like, oh, she's going to play sports, you know, but like if you don't have the same thing, like with a, I feel like with a lot of little boys, it's like play baseball, play bat, you know, the encouragement. And then with girls, it's kind of like they get made fun of mm. for doing some of the more aggressive sports. Yeah. Like in high school, it was like, we don't want to watch basketball because they're not wearing spandex. They would go to the volleyball. You know, like it was yeah, all yeah. kind of sexualized in that way. And so I think that if, if people would kind of take the time to like, understand the fundamental fundamentals of the sport instead of being so concerned about putting on a show mm -hmm. because there's a lot more to athletics in general than just the the you know the the freaks of nature who can yeah. do crazy stuff like I, I i feel like there is room for improvement i feel like they will get there and i feel like as as there's kind of been more of a, a, a empowering time for women that more women might be more likely to be like, well, I'll watch the women's sports. Like, yeah. you know, like, I want to support the women. That's a very good point because when people do talk bad about women's sports, there are very few women who are stepping up and saying, well, I like to watch it. Right. And I think if there was more, mm -hmm. then that would make a bigger impact. Yeah. Because I, like Rachel, she barely likes watching sports, mm -hmm. but she said that she didn't grow up like doing sports, mm -hmm. but her, like her family didn't help her like, hey, this is basketball. Right. Or, hey, this right. is volleyball or something like that. See, that, I was like thrown into it. <laughs> like, and, and that helps. Like yeah. even I don't think I don't think parents should force their kids mm -hmm. to play anything, but I think they should force their kids to play something. Yeah. <laughs> I just think like, you know what, if you're gonna be the most amazing chess player, you know, like just something that's mentally stimulating, yes. something that's a challenge, it's gonna make you try to be better. Mm -hmm. And like if you don't know how to like try to be better, what are you, I feel like you're not going to try to improve that much in life in general. Correct. Like you need something that you've, everybody needs to find whatever they're passionate about, whether it be chess, whether it be basketball, whether it be golf, you know, like my parents didn't make me play basketball. They always were like, it's your decision, but if you start the season, you're going to finish it. Mm. Like it was never an option to quit. So it was like, you don't have to play, but if you start <laughs> playing, you don't get to stop playing yeah. until, you know, the end. And like, that was something I didn't really develop my confidence in sports until high school. Mm. I was kind of like, I, I was kind of like the type of person who needed to feel needed in order to really do well. So, like, I played with a lot of amazing athletes. My AAU team, um, a lot of the, the majority of our girls went D1, like, high-level D1. And so I was, like, second, third string. And I wasn't upset about it because mm -hmm. I was aware that there were better athletes on the team than me, and I just had to work harder. Okay. But um, I went I, – I think that's something – and I'm, like, going off on a tangent in a different direction. But um, I think that's something that a lot of – people don't always recognize is that if you're not if somebody's better than you it's not competition it's like a, a level that you should try to reach yeah. and so I feel like because I had that awareness that like I'm not I'm not trying to compete with her I'm just trying to be as like you know like level up to where I can play with her you mm -hmm. know like that type of thing yeah. and so when I kind of it made me work a lot harder and then I had a successful high school and college career because I rode the bench a lot. 
<laughs> when I was younger. And just like you were saying, like it doesn't matter what you're doing, just do something. And mm -hmm. that's why I said uh, parents shouldn't make their kids play anything. They mm -hmm. should make them force them to play something yes. because it teaches you adversity. Mm -hmm. Life isn't always going to be cupcakes and rainbows. Yeah. Like you gotta, you have to go through something to be able to get through anything mm -hmm. in life. Um, that's why, like a lot of um, top level recruits, you know, they'll they'll go to their college team and then they don't play. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you see it a lot in college football with quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. You know, you're the quarter all, yeah. quarterback of the high school team. You're getting all the girls. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the city knows who you are. And you're pretty much running that city. And then you go to college, and there's already a, a top guy there, and nobody's paying attention to you. And so you're like, I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. And that, what is that teaching you? <laughs> if you? If you go somewhere else just so you can be the top guy again, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't teach you how to work through things. It doesn't teach you how to progress whenever right. things get hard. Yes. So that that is one aspect of college ball that really frustrates me because I like to see people go through adversity and deal with mm -hmm. it and because I, I like to see humans progress yeah. <laughs> yes. like humans in general mm -hmm. like it makes me upset when I see people not trying to yes. do better I agree I, I would say the only thing that I would kind of be like if you know type thing is like I do realize that some coaches don't work well with you know like there's coaching styles that might not work well with like somebody who maybe somebody's like a running gun type player mm -hmm. I'm going basketball but like you know like maybe running gun and then somebody else is very fundamental runs mm -hmm. the plays likes doing that because like we ran Princeton at Christian Brothers okay. and Princeton offense is very um, difficult to learn and it is very what is it? it's like a basically like Every p player can run any position on the floor, and mm -hmm. there is a, a backdoor cut or a screen for anything that is any way you go. Okay. So whatever pass you make, there's things that you do for that pass. So nobody has to call a play. Mm -hmm. You just run it, and everybody has to be aware of what's happening, and they... It's like a clockwork. Like, it's hard. <laughs> it, it took us a while to figure it out. The, the men's team, the men's program was spectacular at it. Like, mm -hmm. they, we, we started doing it after them. They had been doing it for a while. Okay. And they were very successful just because it was so confusing that it was hard <laughs> for other people, like yeah. other teams, to, like, to defend it. Because, uh, so, like, you know, right. <laughs> so we had people who came in who were run-and-gun type players who mm -hmm. could not fit that system because they weren't, they didn't like structured basketball. They uh, wanted the, you know, the sped-up, and, and that's fun to watch too. Yeah. People probably got bored watching them just like, you know, like do the offense until, mm -hmm. you know, they wanted you to to run the offense until the clock got to like eight seconds and then try, you know, like it was like a very, very structured okay. type of thing. So. Now, uh, you said it was called Princeton. Is it from the school Princeton? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. okay. So just like the school. Um, I, I believe. I'm, I believe, I'm like, I'm, I don't know the facts 100%, but I believe it it started at Princeton, and that's why it's called Princeton Offense. Oh, so. wow. that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I never knew that. Yeah. Um, I, I do see a lot of that in, um, in other sports. I'm mainly a football person. I, I do watch basketball, um, but 
I'll, I'll see a lot of players, and they'll go into different kinds of offenses and stuff like that, and they they might not fit that scheme. Or mm -hmm. the coaches will change their entire offense to fit a certain scheme with yeah. other players. Um, with basketball, did you feel like you were a type of player to to fit different schemes, or did you like you know, hey, this is me? Um, I was pretty flexible. Um, I played on. I, I played in pretty much any type of environment. I would say like I liked structure in some places and I felt like there was a time and a place. Mm. I was, I'm like a time and a place type person. Okay. So you know like if it's like the, like getting towards the end of the game and you need to come up you know 10, 12 points really quick, you don't need to run the clock down you know mm. and so like you that but that also comes from like a leadership point where like our point guard or somebody be like, hey, we're changing this up so, I mean, I. It just depends, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah, on this situation. Cool. Well, for your. For your future with, with your art design. Mm -hmm. So, you said you were doing the graphic design first, and. Is that something that, you felt like you need to put in a ton of time with, or is it something you were just like naturally like? I don't know as far as like art when it comes to, well, that kind of art when it comes to your the actual creative mind mm -hmm. because a person's creative mind, like people can be naturally good. Like for music, I I know music. I I like art. I appreciate art, mm -hmm. but I don't. I can't speak art. Mm -hmm. So for music, there are people who are just naturally can hear music in their head and they can just go with it. Mm -hmm. And then other people are like. I've been studying music for 12 years and right. I know how to do this. So with like the design part, is it learn for you or is it for you specifically or is it, you know, I've been studying it and now I'm good at it? Um, I I was always naturally good at it. I'm not like a prodigy. I'm not like the people who can <laughs> like draw like exactly what they, like photorealism art where it looks exactly like a picture mm. is not what I do. Okay. I'm not saying that I couldn't develop it, but that's not really where I'm very abstract. Um, I do some things that aren't abstract, but I like figuring out a way to put emotion and things you can't see on to the canvas okay. and then try to bring that emotion out of the people looking at it. Yes. So that's kind of where my brain is at. Um, I do a lot of like custom abstract work where I do stuff where I've done it for um, a couple that I went to college with that I will ask questions like, you know, what are some favorite quotes? What are some places you like to go? Like what um, any, you know, specific like numbers or things that are important to you? Like what are your nickname? Like, you know, just stuff like that. And then I do a lot of collage. So like I'll try to figure out a way to like artistically put it into the canvas to where it's all very... It, it looks um, aesthetically pleasing, okay. but then for the for the people who I made it for, they know how much thought and um, how personal it is mm. for them. So I just I like I like things to feel very personal and connection and camaraderie and you know stuff like that. Speaking of that, this room is really bare. Oh, <laughs> I got you. Uh, yeah. I um, So there's this website. Have you ever heard of Canvas Freaks? Yes. So, yeah. They're one of those uh, ads that popped up on my Instagram. What you need is a mural. 
that would be cool for the backdrop of all your podcasts. So <laughs> that's what I was honestly thinking. Yeah. About. If if I can get you in here and mm -hmm. do one. So I, I don't know what I want though. Like I was, I kind of like the color because mm -hmm. we actually um, we actually picked up a color from Home Depot. Get black and white. Black and white. Mm -hmm. So just paint these walls black and leave the ceiling more? No, like a black, like probably if you just or gave just me a free black and white design. Yeah, black and white design. Like oh. paint it white and then do like a black design on top of it or something. Mm -hmm. So it's got like the you know, and then that way if people were in color. You know, it shows off. You know, you can see it. It'll be pretty. This is why I brought her on. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about just putting up like stuff, but. It sounds pretty cool. I'm not you. Mm -hmm. This is why I brought you here. Um, what, what exactly are you going to do with your photography? Um, I've seen you taking pictures of people, and they looked really good, by the way. Thank you. Um, is, is, are you just going to do, as far as like personal pictures, like people say, hey, I need, I need some photos, or hey, I got a wedding coming up. What what do you what do you think you're going to end up doing? So I, um, it's funny because I my Instagram tag is like I am Sam Art because I felt like I do because I do so many different things. I felt like art would just cover it all, mm -hmm. and it's hard for me to. I I feel like as an artist, you're pressured to find your niche and then like obsess about it okay. you know and so like I'm trying to figure out a way to be able to mesh like being a photographer and an artist and a designer you know like just throwing it all out there yeah. and I'm still working through social media and trying to figure out how to make it look professional and and well thought out but um with photography I've done a few weddings and it's not my favorite oh I've heard people hate yeah <laughs> it's just a lot of pressure and it's so long yes. like they're so it's a long process, and I, I enjoy doing engagement shoots. They're fun, but there's a lot of pressure there, too, because mm. you have, like, a split second to yeah. get that little shot. And you if you miss it, yeah, you, you get some stuff. So, I don't know. I think I'm really kind of starting to go towards creative, like, editorial-type things. Okay. Like, um, I'm really into, like, just portraits um and trying to figure out how to make those more unique and creative and thought-provoking and like tell a story with it um I was mainly doing before I was doing like you know like family portraits and newborn photography I do love the newborns they're fine yeah. um but I'm kind of trying to go in more of a creative route um I I don't know I I literally am the most indecisive person I change my mind every day I, I, need, I need to put you up against Rachel yeah <laughs> like because, yeah, you should have seen how long it took me to make my business cards because I was like do I want to go in this direction like it was like it was bad so I'm I'm that's one thing I'm trying to 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 learn about myself is figuring out a way to like make a decision mm. and stick with it because I'm like a, a endless possibilities type person. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like... There's so many options. Right. And like, I, I don't want to waste an option. I need to feel like connected and like proud of what I'm doing. Yeah. So like as I'm as I'm going on this this creative journey, which sounds so cliche, I, um, I'm... I am trying to figure out, you know, what do, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I, I know I love photography. I love 
making people feel comfortable. I love um, the fact that like people get so self-conscious in front of a camera and people critique themselves to no other, you know, like I've experienced that, like where you're just like everything that's wrong, like, you know, but there, I've never seen a pair of eyes that weren't beautiful, mm. you know, like, and that's one thing that I always try to do is like capture people's eyes the most mm. best way that I can, because yeah. that's literally like the essence of the person yeah. is their eyes. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how to do that better every day. Mm. I mean, what, what are you using as far as like, um, ways to figure out how to do better. Like I was telling you about Peter McKinnon, I, I watch a lot of his photography stuff and I look up, you know, random people, but um, what's I, your sources? I listen to a ton of podcasts. I've been on Creative Pep Talk lately um, by Andy J Pizza and he is amazing. He's an illustrator um, and so like draws cartoons and children's books and stuff like that, but he was a graphic designer. He's been all over the place. and. Um, I followed him on Instagram, and I found out he had a podcast like three weeks ago. Just to show like how well I was, but like I've listened to it nonstop. It's so good, and it really—he's good about giving you direction. So my indecisive brain is like, oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> so yes, and then I like um, Skillshare a lot. Okay. You can literally look up anything on Skillshare. Yes. Okay. It I is amazing. Like I, I really love learning. Mm. I. Um, since college ended, I still like I, I try to like make it my goal to learn something new, at least one thing new every single day. Yeah. So with Skillshare, like I feel like I'm still at school. Like I can like I didn't. There's some classes that maybe I didn't get to take that I'm like okay I can take a class on pastels and mm -hmm. kind of figure out because my my art is still very multimedia. So I don't just use paint. Like I'll use pastels. I'll use spray paint. I'll use you know I have like a hundred like life magazines from 1950s that another artist gave me that she wasn't so like I just okay. use this stuff and so I just love finding out how to use different mediums and trying to figure out a way to fall in love with the process of all of this so have you ever heard of skill success mm -mm. okay that's that's what you're probably gonna like uh, okay. that's what I used to do but they had like lifetime access where you pay uh -huh. I want to say it was like $15 a month, maybe $10 a month, but it gave you access to all of their uh, videos and I stuff like that. Out. And that's what I was doing. I did a uh, project management course on there. Mm -hmm. um, I learned some like uh, Adobe Premiere Pro and Photoshop stuff on there. It's got pretty much anything you can think of. They had like dog videos, how to train a dog, mm -hmm. and pretty much anything yeah. you can think of. And it was it was like $15 a month, I think. Yeah. And it, was, it was legit. And then um, they, so they'll they'll say that a video might be or a course might be uh, like a hundred dollars, mm -hmm. and then like when whenever like a holiday comes up, it's like holiday special. They're ten dollars. Yeah, and then like, you're like, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, they if they ever have something where it's expensive, literally just wait like maybe weeks or a month. See, like Skillshare, it's like I think a hundred dollars for a year oh, subscription, okay. but like you have access to everything. So oh, okay. yeah, and I. I'm gonna definitely check that out, but I really I think Skillshare might be specifically more like in like the creative, mm. you know. But I know they do like cooking and they do like photography. Yeah. Um, they'll do all the different types of classes, but I, there might be other stuff too because I know there's graphic design and stuff like that. But um, 
that's where my membership is right now. So that's what I'm figuring <laughs> out. But yeah, I think I looked at Skillshare. If it wasn't Skillshare, it was something else. But mm -hmm. it didn't have like a ton of different things. Yeah. So, uh, I looked at it. For and if like you're going from like a non like art like painting, mm -hmm. it probably you know isn't going to be as beneficial. But. Yeah. But I think that type of learning could take off if people yes. pay attention because. I don't want to say college is pointless, but it's unnecessary for certain professions. Well, I think even like we are kind of going into this technological age where we have access to absolutely anything on YouTube. Yeah. You know, like there's in yes, there is a benefit of having a great academic professor, teacher, mm. you know, like who's passionate about what they do, but so often you get the ones that aren't. And like when I, academics and, and education kind of always came naturally to me. I was pretty much like a, like my mom would always be like, if if there was a test two weeks away, my little sister would like start studying immediately and I would wait till the day before and hope it was canceled. <laughs> so like, I've just always kind of been like a, I guess. You make good grades though? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty just naturally like good at that type of learning. Mm. So if it's a if it was somebody who I could feel wasn't really like invested or passionate or like trying to make it interesting, which doesn't sound good, but like I, it was harder for me to be really engaged yeah. in the experience. So like you said, like I think that we feel so pressured now to go to college, and then so many people like I think it's it blows my mind that they will let kids who are not even like eighteen at the time take out all this money in loans. And the student loans is the one thing you can't get away from. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can you can die and your kids have to pay it off. <laughs> like it, it just blows my mind. But if you had an eighteen year old who went to the bank and was like, "I want a twenty thousand dollar business loan to start a bit," they're not going to let them do that. So like, I think something needs to change there because Absolutely. they're putting this next generation in debt before they can even get started. And I wonder. Sometimes I just wonder if they're like, because we've done so much in like a corporate setting where mm -hmm. like as, as an artist, I don't have access to health insurance and like affordable, yeah. you know, like there's no affordable option really for, for entrepreneurs. Yeah. And, um, with like, it's like, we're, it's more expensive. We're, it's <laughs> like, I think for me to have decent coverage, it would be like around $400 a month. Mm. Um, which, you know, doesn't, I mean, it sounds pretty expensive to me right now, yeah. but, you know, for somebody else it might not be, but, yeah. like, you know, like, that just sounds, especially if you're starting, getting started, that's a lot to yeah, do, absolutely. but, um, the, I feel like we're kind of told that we're supposed to go and get a corporate level job and, like, do that for all these years, and then you're gonna, like, retire when you're 55 or 60, and mm -hmm. then you can have have a, the life that you always wanted but I think that we're starting to figure out in this age that, like there's more to it than that yeah absolutely. and that's just something that I feel like as we like you said as we continue I think college is going to be less and less a necessity to be a successful you know in the real world yeah so. and like I always tell people if you're not doing what you want to do then start yeah. because if you're not doing what you want to do you you only get as I said you only get one life mm -hmm. so 
you don't want to look back and be like, man, I should have did this or man, I should have did that because you can just start doing it right now. Mm -hmm. Like I, um, I had on Amber Russell mm -hmm. and Amber, when we were talking, she said something that I'll probably never forget. She said, um, it's like a lot of people wait for permission to yeah. do what they want to do. And it's like, you, you're never, nobody's ever going to be like, Hey, all right, now you can start living. Mm -hmm. You have to tell yourself when you want to start doing stuff. Yeah. And then even trying to be an entrepreneur, it's, you get a lot of backlash from, like, I'm, I say backlash, like, my family is very supportive of what I'm doing, but at the same time, it's like, maybe you should try to find a real job. Mm. And I'm like, this is a real job. <laughs> you know, like, this is real. This is, like, what I love. And mm. I might not be rolling in money right now, but, like, I'm taking the necessary steps to be a successful artist and, um, you know, creator, and I am happy, you know, and I think it sounds cliche to talk about happiness, but if you aren't feeling completely confident and, and, and just sure that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing, then you're going to not feel satisfied in anything you get in life. Whether you do have a job that gets you millions of dollars a year, like you're not going to feel satisfied because money doesn't make you, doesn't fix it at the end of the day. Having that title doesn't make do anything. It's it's you. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm always trying to find you know people who are doing what they love. That's mm -hmm. that's why I wanted to have you on so bad because I was like, this is somebody who, you know, you didn't have a ton of followers mm -hmm. and you didn't have like this major collage of stuff but I can tell you were doing something that you were interested in mm -hmm. and that is something that a lot of people just don't grasp mm -hmm. it's like okay you're not rolling in money but you're happy yeah <laughs> you're and enjoying it. yeah and like also like especially when you're building like a, something it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we only hear about the overnight successes and the people who went viral and stuff like that, but it is a lot of hard work. Yeah. And it doesn't come quickly <clears throat> and it's not gonna be easy. And I think that so often, like my mom was really, she always was like, the world doesn't revolve around you, Sam. You know, like she was just always reminding us that like, you know, like it's not all about you. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are told that like, when you're given a more, you know, when you feel like there's more importance to you than there, I'm, I'm trying to say this because I don't want to come off the wrong way. But no, when saying. you have like an inflated <laughs> sense of self, you think that this stuff is going to be given to you, mm -hmm. and nothing's going to be given to you. You have to work for it. Yeah. So I'm aware of the work that I'm going to have to put in to be where I want to be, but I can see it and I know it's going to happen. Yeah. So. But it also just depends on your attitude. Yeah. Because I'm the type of person where, like. I go, I go do stuff like if like with my music and everything I bought the equipment and I, I learned it because that's what I wanted to do mm -hmm. I didn't wait for somebody to be like hey man this is what you're supposed to do I just figured it out yeah and let's see I've been doing it since I think like January 2017 is when I like really uh, started to comprehend like the music industry and everything like that so I haven't been doing it long right a lot of people I've run into they're like man I've been I've been making beats since I was like 12 and mm -hmm. stuff. I'm like, yeah. Jesus. But uh, being able to have that kind of attitude, that go-getter type of attitude, even like that frustration of not doing well 
shouldn't motivate yeah. you. That shouldn't make you depressed. Mm -hmm. It should make you more hungry mm -hmm. to to be able to succeed in life. Because yeah. that's why I say like people's kids, kids should be able to go through adversity. Mm -hmm. You should your first real adversity shouldn't be when you get older. Yeah. <laughs> that that's gonna devastate yes. you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um if if you could do something that you haven't done yet, what would that be? Um, I really, I really want to travel. Like, I've where have you been? I've been to um, a lot of different places in America. Oh, where, where do you live? I live. Oh, I've only lived in, only in Tennessee. Lived yeah, oh, just Tennessee. I've traveled um, to over like seventeen states, like playing basketball. So yeah, I've yeah. seen a lot. I just didn't really get to like immerse myself in like the way that they lived there. I'm mm -hmm. very interested in culture, very interested in the way that different people live and interact. I like, I think I was, I was in like my senior year of college when I first took anthropology and I, it blew my mind. Like, I was like, this is amazing, you know? And, um, I, I just think that that's something that I would enjoy doing is learning about other cultures, arts, and like what they find motivation mm -hmm. in and like what what inspires them and like what their methods you know like I just I'm interested in all things human yeah, yeah. and creative and psychological like that stuff is very interesting to me um I I've been to Alaska for a basketball trip and that was one of the most beautiful yeah. things I've ever seen um places I've ever seen um I lived and I don't really remember it but I lived in South Korea for a few years when I was little oh. um and I would love, my dad was teaching English on a military base, oh, wow. um, and um, so we just, we moved over there, and they were um, missionaries, okay. and... Um, was it, uh, what's the name of that base? It was in Seoul. Okay, there's like, Kunsong? Uh, I'm sure when you say it, I'm going to be like, yes. Was it, was like, it was like two and a half to four. Okay. So, I mean, two and a half to Four and a half. So like it was like a very. I have small memories about like the apartment and like where I went to school because I went to school there for a little bit mm. and um, stuff like that. And we have a ton of pictures and sometimes that brings stuff back. But I would love to go back and kind of just see, you know, what comes back because yeah. you, you know you your brain changes a lot in all those years and Absolutely. you just never know what's tucked away in there that you just don't remember. So. So yeah. where where else have you um, traveled to? Um, just United States. With, um, I mean, like, pretty much everywhere mm -hmm. in the southeast. Okay. Um, all the way up to, like, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, North Carolina, Maryland, Washington, D.C., um, and then all down. And that's all from playing ball? Playing ball, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. I have been to, outside the states, just Canada and Ecuador. And Ecuador was beautiful, mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful. So I was, uh, let's see, I was in Quito. That is the capital. So we flew from, I think, Texas to mm -hmm. Quito. And then from Quito, uh, we ended up staying in this village called Sakua. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's that right there, just being with those people, yeah. life-changing. Yeah. I think as Americans, we have We're this. spoiled. <laughs> that doesn't even cover yeah. more. <laughs> and then also we have this perception of 
like everybody is just completely beneath us. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so I was walking around in the village of Sakua and there was just like kids with, you know, wearing t-shirt shorts, no yeah. shoes, stuff like that. And I'm like, man, these are those kids that are on those commercials mm-hmm. where they're like a dollar a day. Yeah. Can save this family. I'm like, I'm literally well, can just hand them a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> but it's literally like, what was it? It was most people live on like a dollar or two dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Like, and then we like, it's just hard to. People are spending eight bucks yeah, on Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. So it's yeah, that's. I bet that was life changing. Yeah, after that. it is. It is. I and bet like, it makes you experience a lot more gratitude for everything you have here. It does. Even like, uh, so we were we had some bubbles, and mm-hmm. we were just like blowing bubbles mm-hmm. for these kids, and they're going crazy, yeah. ballistic. Like they've never seen bubbles. They probably hadn't seen yeah. bubbles before. <laughs> but just that experience mm-hmm. right there makes me just value what I have right. here in America. But I do want to go out and experience like other countries, like yeah. even so. I mean. Yes, I'm black, African-American, whatever, but, you know, I I don't feel like, I'm not one of those type of people that, like, hates white people and hates all other um, races mm-hmm. because, you know, they don't treat black people correctly. I feel like I do want to go back, back to Africa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that. But I feel like I want to go to Africa just to experience what real Africans are like. Yeah. Like, I, I don't feel a true connection to Africans just because I don't know anybody from Africa. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not, you know, um, a, a big, you know, uh, have a big connection to people from Africa. But I do want to experience that just as a, I know it sounds kind of weird, but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm the type of person who doesn't, like, I don't, I literally don't see color. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see if I'm around white people, I don't see them as a white person. Mm-hmm. If I'm around black people, I don't see them as black people. I just see them as a person. Right. And so, just, I want to, you know, feel like outside looking in to, like, people in Africa. Because that's that's where they say all humans originated from. Mm-hmm. And those people haven't left. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, I, saw, I heard something the other day. And it was talking about how with, um, with, with white people with the and I, I believe like you know in white privilege I believe I, I've experienced it and I think that you know we have the privilege of knowing where our ancestors came mm-hmm. from and you hear so have you often done, like your what's, what's it called um I have not done or? I have not but like I have family members who have and mm-hmm. I know like there's like a lot of like um Scottish and German European, oh. European stuff like that um and then like some Native American but um I just, I, you hear so often people saying that they brought the slaves over from Africa, but they didn't. They brought over teachers and doctors, and you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought people over, but pe- but we are so, we're still insensitive yeah, to yeah. a lot of those things. And I am always trying to educate myself and figure out, you know, ways to acknowledge and, and, and bring to light from being from the South, living in the South my whole life, there was a lot of subconscious biases that I didn't understand or realize that I had mm-hmm. until I was in college. Yeah. And then I was like, wow. And then I <laughs> dated a black man. And um, we've been dating for three, 
almost four years. And um, as the fam, huh? As the fam. Oh, everybody's good. Like they, 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 my my family, I would say they were always very. They were always like. We didn't have. We weren't a mixed cultural family. Mm-hmm. It was all everybody was white, but they were like we would. We would rather you date somebody who treats you right mm-hmm. than date somebody like. And even saying that, I'm like, oh. you know, <laughs> like I, I hate even saying it. Yeah, yeah. But that's the way they saw it, and I, I think a lot of the issues that we have are lack of education, lack mm-hmm. of understanding, lack, lack of empathy. Okay. And I just, I was always playing basketball with it was predominantly black girls, and when you are around the the family, like you know, like I just. I always had, I would say something and not realize that it was insensitive. Mm. And it was always the moms that were like, uh-uh, Sam, you can't say that. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, I would, I would that isn't okay. And yeah. then I would try to dissect it and figure out what I did and where that came from. Yeah. And I, I just, I know there's, we have so much further to go, but I think it's amazing that the conversation is starting and that like to the point where people do get defensive and upset and the thing is is you have to admit that to yourself that you may not have always been right and until you can accept that mm. you're not going to be able to move forward in your the way you're looking at everything so yeah. you said you grew up like an hour east of here yeah okay so memphis is like predominantly black people mm-hmm. um did, were you from? Did that was that mainly? It white was people? mainly white people. Yeah, it was like a really small southern farming town with like one stoplight. Did you have any black people that you went to high school with though? No. 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 Not one. No. So like I was <laughs> I was homeschooled until I was in eighth grade. Oh man. Yeah. So I started school when I was fifteen, and up until then I'd only been homeschooled. But we traveled for basketball. So like. My mom was really good. She was a high school teacher at the public school where I'm from, mm-hmm. which was predominantly black. Okay. And she was just heartbroken and disappointed that she had so many high school students who couldn't read, mm-hmm. who didn't have a proper education or understanding. And she yeah. was like, I can't put y'all there. So she taught us herself. Um, and then when we, my sister and I made the decision that we wanted to pursue college athletics, she was like, we, we understood that the recruitment process would not be easy mm-hmm. from homeschool. Yeah. So yeah. she put us in school. And it was culture shock at a small private white school. <laughs> so I, like, my, I was very naive. I had to, like, kind of take in a lot of stuff and um, educate myself a lot. Um, we, my dad was a Southern Baptist pastor, still is. So it, we kind of lived in a... A sheltered bubble mm-hmm. for a long time so we just were there's a certain point when you have to realize that the world is not all rainbows and butterflies yeah. and I feel like we went a long time before we realized that so yeah that's rough mm-hmm. so did you go through religious phases in your life um yes I was raised extremely um you know extremely christian through the southern baptist perspective denomination um i went through a lot of um 
I consider myself just spiritual now. Mm -hmm. I think that um, when it comes to religion, it's it, it, my it, there's a relationship that should be between you and your un understanding of God. Mm -hmm. And if you are relying on a, you know, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say all this. If you're relying on the church to do it for you, which mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of are, you're missing out on a lot. Mm -hmm. you're, you're putting your faith in the hands of somebody else when it should be your personal, you know, like you're not talking to the church when you pray yeah. or when you're, whatever you're doing, you're supposed to be talking to, to God. Yeah. And I honestly thought about this before I came here. I was like, oh, I wonder if we get on this topic, how do we explain <laughs> this? And it's it's so it's so it. like deep and um, I guess I a lot of stuff happened when um, I was I experienced for the first time that and made the acknowledgement that I had white privilege mm. because something happened. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail about it, but I, and it wasn't necessarily my fault. But I was caught up in something that had happened to other black athletes, mm. and I had zero punishment, zero repercussions. Like, Whoa. and I was in something just in my head was bothering me about it, mm. and I was like, part of me was happy that like mm. you know like I didn't get in trouble, didn't get suspended, yeah. stuff like that. But then I was like, how is this fair? Yeah. And this is before I was you know dating my boyfriend, and like a lot of stuff even went deeper when when with that, but like. I I just I've always been very empathetic and I've always liked the feeling of connection with people mm -hmm. but I think that we sometimes are on a high horse as is um let me backtrack. I feel like as a woman I can understand what it's like to experience oppression as a woman. Mm -hmm. So because I understand what oppression feels like in a way, I have the empathy to understand that black people are mistreated a lot in this country and like things, the way things work. Yeah. And so that realization kind of got me on the questioning everything at that point. Yeah. I was like, is there a system here? What's happening? Why is this going the way it is? Why are we like, constantly at war about this when it's factual. Yeah. You know, like we're all asking, does it exist? Does white privilege exist? But it does. You know, like yeah. I've never had to feel fear or like when I get pulled over at night, never quite you know, like stuff like that. But then my boyfriend got pulled over at like two in the morning and like they took him to jail, to two oh one Poplar because his car fit the description of somebody who had robbed a gas station and he didn't look like the guy at all. And I was never been so terrible. You know, like I was afraid for him yeah. because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, yeah. you know? And that's something that I've never had to experience. And I don't think people, I, I think that we, until you experience something yourself, it's hard to form an opinion on it. Absolutely. You can have a perspective, but you don't get to say that your opinion is law. Yeah, that's the difference between sympathy and empathy. Yes. It's being able to, you know, you've been through it and you know how to actually empathize with Right. Somebody. Like for me, like experiencing sexual assault, I had so many people telling me their opinion on it mm. 
their perspective and expecting me to like they had never experienced something and then were telling me how I should emotionally respond to it. You know, so like I, from that experience, it kind of changed a lot of the way I saw things and it, it's just a, a constant journey and growth and trying to understand things better and figuring out easier ways to, I'll never experience, I ramble a lot, I'm sorry, no, but not. I will never experience or understand what it's like to be a black person in America, yeah. but I can do my best to empathize and I can do my best to be an ally and I can do my best to stand up yeah. when something needs to be said or behavior needs to be corrected among people who don't have any type of understanding whatsoever. Yeah. So that's just what my journey has been in that. And we can, uh, we can backtrack all the way back into the 60s. So the civil rights movement, everybody Wasn't knows that. that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> everybody talks about it being for black people because you had Martin Luther King back then, Malcolm X, mm -hmm. and that movement everybody associates with black people, but civil rights wasn't about black people, it was about everybody's right. rights. And women too. Like as black people, yes, we get oppressed, but we kind of be women to the punch of president. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I really think that black women have it the most difficult. Yeah, out of I mean, you're a woman and, and black. you're black. <laughs> and like, I can honestly say, like, I've never seen the black women are just beautiful and special and strong and like just like Absolutely. you know, like I just think about yeah. Lizzo and like you know, like, all these people <laughs> who are just awesome and and then you just Very know creative. what they had to overcome and what they overcome every day mm. and how me and like I'm trying not to like curse or anything but like I've That's always fun. been very like <laughs> strong-willed and I've mm. been described as like bitchy and like aggressive but mm. it's just that I'm passionate yeah, yeah. you know and like uh, if you compare that to a male they're like oh he's passionate but if I do the same thing it's you have to yeah. walk a fine line for it not to be bitchy yeah. and then you think about black women like have they people automatically make these assumptions that you know like she's angry if she's mm. passionate or like you know like it breaks my heart yeah. like that like the, did you see the serena williams thing yes oh, oh don't even get me <laughs> i was livid yeah. i talked like uh, i um i bartend from time to time and i would like get okay for people who don't know so serena williams you know if you're watching this podcast you should know serena williams but phenomenal tennis player of all time, and she was um, she was in the match, and she was I was like a young girl. She had been what like 18, 19? Yeah, 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 yeah. She was I super young. Well, apparently Serena had gave too much passion. Yeah, <laughs> she broke a racket. She broke she? a racket. Um, it was just well. First of all, the the I'm trying to say umpire. I don't know what the guy is. Ref. ref. Yes, ref. He had already, like, he had a history of being kind of harder on women in oh, general. Yeah. Yes, like, I think he had, like, done something with her sister, Venus, like, in the past, oh. like, gotten hurt, like, you know, like, penalized her. And then even when so many male, like, they just, <sighs> the, like, you just see, like, all the time, like, where the male athletes would do the same thing mm. and nothing was wrong with you know, like yeah. they would like I can't, I don't know the male tennis players. Like I really just started watching tennis because Serena was such a badass, <laughs> and I just when I saw that, and then I would see the people who were like 
she's so aggressive, like all this stuff. And then there's other people like putting photos up under Twitter of like the men doing the same thing and nothing happened, mm -hmm. you know? And it just, <laughs> it burns me up. So yeah, Serena, <laughs> she basically got in the ref's face about it because mm -hmm. she was upset yeah. that he had cost her a point. Yeah. When she felt like she didn't do anything wrong, right. she was just being passionate during yeah. the match. And um, she just kept saying, you stole a point from me, and you need to apologize. Yeah. She kept telling the ref, you better apologize. Right. And, um, well, they, they, she ended up losing the match. Mm -hmm. And she, she apologized to Asaka, right? Right. She apologized to right. the winner because she felt like she stole that moment from right. her. Right, yeah. And she, Serena felt bad. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, Serena felt like that ref was being... Targeting her. Yeah, was literally targeting her because she was a woman, maybe even because she was a black woman during that match. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a pretty controversial topic for a while. Well, I, and I'm all for like strong, passionate female athletes, so I'm biased. But when I watched it, I was just, because I watched it live, I was like, I'm, I'm having a flashback to it because I was at a bachelorette party in Florida when it was on. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being so sad for her mm -hmm. because it was an act of passion. You know, like she wasn't being disrespectful. It was just, you're allowed to feel these emotions in sports because that's what it is. It's literally a competition. Yeah. And I feel like they try so hard to make her fit in this box where she has to be, you know, respectable and, and not step on anybody's toes. Cookie cutter. Yeah. Everybody look like this, do this. Yeah. And then they even, I remember it was controversial because she was wearing the cat suit that Nike yeah. had custom made for her because she had had a hard pregnancy and it was making her, um, it was helping. I don't, I don't understand all the science behind it, but it was supposed to be beneficial for her body after yeah. she'd gone through childbirth. And then the French Open wouldn't let her wear it because they said it was, like, not feminine enough or something like that. Like, she was yeah. supposed to wear a skirt. Yeah. And it's just, like, stuff like that. It's, like, it's 2019. Yeah. Like, why are we going to, like, not let a, the, one of the greatest athletes in the world wear something that's not provocative, not, you know, like, not taking away from yeah, anything. Yeah, she was fully covered. Yeah. It's not like she was wearing freaking and like even if she wasn't. and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> even if she wasn't. Yeah. It just, it rubbed me the wrong way, so. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty crazy, but that was the epitome of where we're at with females in professional sports, mm -hmm. and I thought it was something that, I mean, it did get a lot of attention, but maybe not even enough. Yeah. Like, it should have been it should have been handled in a more, um, I guess, a, a, a bigger stage. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, Serena seemed like she wanted to push it away because she was like, you know, at first, you know, she apologized to Osaka mm -hmm. for what happened. But I think she was in the right, in my yeah. opinion. I, I don't think she did anything wrong. Yeah, she broke her racket, but how many times has, um, God, what is his name? McEnroe. John yes, McEnroe. That was, yes, that was him. All, he was at multiple times. And yeah. It was like he had, I think... He had gotten in the ref's, they had pictures of him getting in a ref's face and nothing was done about yeah. it. So, like, you know, like, it's just very, um, double standards. Absolutely. So. And, so, there is a, um, have you heard about the, the female kicker? Mm -hmm. Oh, she's a soccer player. She was on the women's soccer team, but she was, uh, she was at a Eagles and, I think, uh, the Ravens, uh, NFL practice. And, uh, she was kicking, like, 50-yard field goals. Oh <laughs> and they were saying that she was trying to get on the NFL team and everybody was going crazy about it but I was like 
I mean, if she, if she can, she's more consistent. <laughs> why not? If she can do it, yeah. sure, why not? But they said that there were some teams that were actually kind of interested in it. But I guess we'll see. I know there's been, okay, so there's been NFL uh, female referees, mm -hmm. and I there's like think, an NBA female assistant coach, I believe. Yes, and I think there's an NFL assistant coach. I'm not sure, but I think there is. Um, do you think that those barriers, as far as like, so we haven't had a head coach. We mm -hmm. haven't had a professional, I think. I don't think we've had a professional women's head coach in a men's sport. Mm -hmm. Do you think that will change? I do. I think we're going in the right direction when it comes to all that. I think that um, I really am interested, like again, in psychology and the power of the human mind. And I think that if you have a people group in general, that your their whole lives you tell them that they're not as strong, they're not as good as they're not they're not as athletic, they're not as talented. Yeah, they're gonna believe that. Yeah. It's like the the four minute mile thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like they they said it was impossible until it was done, then everybody could do it. Yeah, yeah. So if you're telling women that they're not as they're not capable of being as successful, you're you're you know I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think of the right word. You're suppressing. You're, yeah, something. you're limiting their abilities just by telling them they can't right. do something. So I think that as we're kind of, you know, like even I think about the Nike commercial, the Serena Nike commercial, you know, like mm -hmm. just the fact that they are really doing a good job in the athletic gear, you know, commercials of showing female roles, showing um, that women are, are being these successful model athletes, that mm -hmm. like women can try to you know, meet their standards, meet that level of um, competition. And there are really, men and women aren't identical, but they do have, there There should be the equality, you know, option. Yeah. And I think that, like, when you're telling, like, a lot of it comes down to education of men. I think that a lot of men, especially in the South, I, th I think it might be a little more progressive in other areas, mm. but it is so much still that like, in, especially in like the strict Christian households, yeah. um, that you're supposed to be the support, like, you know, like you're supposed to be the helper, the partner, like you're the, it's never the equal, Yeah. you know, it's always like you're below yeah. a little bit. And even like Christianity, that's like. Any, any, any religion, though. Like, really, any religion suppresses women, yeah. in, a, in a way. Yeah, like, like, or at least the, the conservative religion, religious views, yeah. is going to suppress women's strength. Yeah. And um, I think that that causes men to feel emasculated when a woman is in charge of them. Yes. Yeah. And until, um, that is, until we can do a better job of explaining that because just because a woman has more knowledge about something or that she is in a position of power does not take away from your identity or, right. you know, as a male. Yeah. Like, I, it's just something that I, I've seen, you know, has kind of been like a, a repeating pattern. Yeah. And, but one thing that I really want to see is, like I was saying earlier, is more women pushing for uh, pushing for younger females to, to be in those positions, mm -hmm. you know, for more uh, role model women to be teaching young girls mm -hmm. how to do this and doing stuff like that. Because, I mean, how many times have you been to 
like any kind of mechanic place and saw a female mechanic? Right. Or how many times do you think about um, a scientist and you picture a female right. as a scientist? You know what I mean? So or, or surgeons. Mm -hmm. Most of the you, when you think of a nurse, everybody yeah. thinks of a female because they're the assistant. They're right. not the one in charge. Yeah. So. Just if we had more people, more females who were in those top positions, guiding other like young young mm -hmm. females to to be more like that, I think that'll that'll increase the numbers. And I think we are on the right path in that way. Um, you even think about government and how r rare it is to see black or women like governors and mayor. Like, and it's getting better, yeah. but especially down here, like you think about the majority, it's like old white men. Yeah, and we're kind of becoming a nation that, like, they, not everybody relates to old white men. You yeah. know, like, it's yeah. just very, like, they're, they're kind of out of the loop now. Yeah. So it's, like, it's time for women and, and everyone to, yeah. like, be, like, I'm going to take that. You know, like, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make a change. And I think that and you, it also comes down to, like, believing that there is room for improvement mm -hmm. because if you feel hopeless then you're hopeless yeah. like, you know like there's no like nothing's going to get better if you don't think it's going to get better yeah. so um yeah i think about that a lot <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about like do you okay first of all do you know any trans people yes okay so do you think do they play any sports i don't know any trans athletes no uh, yeah. Made this better. So a big deal has been uh, specifically. Uh, do you watch MMA by any chance? Um, I used to, but I have not in a while. So there was this chick who, well, former male became female, mm -hmm. dominating, <laughs> dominating, and um, but she ended up going against like one of the best females, and she got beat pretty mm -hmm. bad. Um, one thing that I've been hearing and I completely agree with is don't separate, uh, don't tell trans people they can't compete or they can't do anything. Just put them in their own category. Right. So in the Olympics, um, if you have somebody who was uh, formerly a male and now they're a female and they're just destroying all everybody in their sport, don't just tell them, hey, this is kind of ridiculous. You can't compete. Just put all the trans people in one category, yeah. and then boom. Now they're all competing on the same stage. See, I, I'm still... I need to educate myself more uh, about this. I think it's hard to really form a thoughtful opinion, again, with something I haven't experienced. Because mm -hmm. I've never not felt fully identifying with who I am mm -hmm. and with my gender, with my cult, you know, like I've always felt who I am. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I do recognize that, um, biologically, I think women have, so from the men's muscle mass, women have 90% of the lower body and 60% of the upper body. Mm -hmm. So there are biological advantages to the male muscular system that women don't have, you know, like it, yeah. it's just hard because you like, you want it to be inclusive. You want there to be fairness and you want people to feel comfortable and supported. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to discourage women from competing because 
they feel that they're not get like it, it, I don't necessarily know if I think that there should be a different group but I'm it's just hard to th like really mm. wrap my head around because like you like you don't it's almost like just as um just as a no, I don't not oppressive I'm trying to think of the right word but just as sing, like singling them out to put them in their own group than to tell them you're not allowed to compete to begin with mm. you know like I could see how that would take away the team camaraderie if it's like I can't be part of the team yeah. you know um, but I feel like that's like so if if I'm a guy and but I identify as a female to tell me that I have to compete with the guys yeah know, that might make me feel like well I want to compete with the females right yeah I identify as a female yeah I think that whatever you are like physically it needs to be identified by a doctor first mm -hmm. it can't be like you look like a chick. You're, you're competing with the right. girls, you know what I mean? So, I think if if you're at that point where you're not sure on, like, where you are, mm -hmm. I think a doctor should be brought into it, and not one of these Joe Schmoe doctors. But I also <laughs> think, like, if they're not taking the proper hormone, like, you know, like, if you're still, like, fully experiencing the male testosterone, like, those levels, then you're going to be a different athlete than, like, if you're taking yeah. the estrogen, you know, like, trying to... to transition you know like there's did like did you hear about that one like sprinter yeah that's what's been in my head the whole time <laughs> that's what blew me yeah. away like i was like oh my heart okay so for people who don't know there was like this female sprinter and she was dominating people mm -hmm. wasn't formerly a man completely female just so happened to have like high testosterone mm -hmm. right high levels of testosterone they were testing her and they were like hey you can't compete anymore because you're just straight up physically and biologically better than the rest of these females. How does that make you feel at mm -hmm. the end of the day to, for people to tell you, hey, you're just better than everybody else. Yeah. Stop. Stop playing. Yeah. Thank, thank you for what you did, but you can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. That was crazy. Man. That is crazy. Um, no, that's... It's, it, again, it, it comes back to the whole... Um, the What were you saying? About... If you don't experience, um, like sympathy and empathy, not not sympathy and empathy, but if you don't experience a challenge, life is going to be easy. And it's like, are y'all trying to make it easier for the people who just aren't as good as yeah. this? Yeah, like <laughs> they have to experience that it's hard. Like that, you know, there is going to people be people out there in the world that are like exponentially better than you at yeah. something. So it's like, hey, uh, Michael Jordan, you're mm, too good. Yeah, you stop you're not playing. allowed to play anymore. <laughs> you know, that's not okay. It's like telling people who are doing, like, who are exceptional, like, computer programmers. Like, yeah. you know, like, all these other people are just way slower than you and you're hurting your feelings. <laughs> so you can't, like, it's just, yeah. I just don't necessarily think that that's fair or okay or morally right. So that you bring that up, did you hear about the uh, Asians having to do a different kind of test than everybody else at Harvard? No. Yes. So Asians have to take either a harder test or a different test at Harvard because there are too many Asians doing well at Harvard. Oh my gosh. No joke. <laughs> and I was like, that can't be real. That's but it's, crazy. It's legit and um, it seems illegal because yeah. that's discrimination yeah. at, by any means of the word. But of they've course. been doing it because they, they're they just saying that they want to give more people a fair chance right. to 
develop and be in Harvard. Mm -hmm. So if you, I think it's if you're applying for Harvard and you're like Asian, you have to take either a different test or a harder test because there's just they were trying to create more diversity. Yeah, something. I was like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's really crazy. I um, I know. I'm trying to think. It was several different cultures where the the academic um, the way people focus on academics is done a little differently than here. And I think like in India, I think that there's like a lot of really um, good education, you know, going on to where like they're like exponentially ahead mm -hmm. of like a lot of the way that the American education system works. And I think honestly, if anything, it should just go to show that it's time to change the way that our school system works. Because not that Asians have like a different, like we all, I feel like we're all capable of achieving greatness. Mm -hmm. But if you're not being told that you can achieve greatness, again, it comes back to the power of belief, then you're yeah. not going to think that you're capable of that. Yeah. If we're always told that Asian people are smarter, then you're going to be like, well, I guess I'm just not going to be, as you know, like you're, you're yeah. limiting yourself from the get-go. So, like, I, it, I think a lot of that really just shows that maybe they should be changing the education system instead of telling the, them that they have to pass a more difficult yeah. and exam. Like, so what? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, back when, um, I think it was one of the world wars, like, we were taking all these, like, German scientists. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where um, Tesla's from. I can't either, but I remember looking it up not too long ago because I watched the little Tesla video. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was, like, from, like, a couple years ago or maybe a year ago, and then it just kind of got popular on YouTube. And it was, like, when he was releasing the Tesla 18-wheelers um, and stuff oh, okay. like that. Um, but he just blew my mind and it's like, oh, I need to find out more. Yeah. But yeah, he is brilliant and I just, I forgot where I was going with that. So <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> but yeah, basically like, you know, back in the World War times, we were, we were gathering all these different scientists from different places because, you know, everybody wanted to make like, um, nuclear bombs and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And for some reason, the German scientists were, were like just... ahead. Yeah, they were like black athletes now. Like, mm -hmm. they were just yes. dominating their, their, speci yeah. Yeah, their specific niche. So, I, I don't see how it's a bad thing. As, as humanity, we should take advantage of what people... Have. Okay, black athletes, like, we do well in, in sports. That doesn't mean that you should, you know, hey, you're doing too good. We need to get some more white kids yeah. or some more Mexican kids. I think if anything, it just would, should make, like, just because there's a natural athleticism, because I, I can't remember what I was reading, but it was talking about there's, like, a gene. Um, I'm not very, I'm learning a lot more about science. I wasn't interested in it. I'm trying to get better <laughs> at this. But there was um, a gene or something that a lot of Olympic athletes have. Mm. And, um, like, those crazy next level athletes they mm -hmm. have like a something a little bit different in the way that their body functions okay. and it was like a lot more black people have this function than a lot of other races mm -hmm. okay. or not races um ethnicities or yeah. whatever and um uh just how all of that we are all different and some groups of people have ex like crazy talents that like you know like there is gonna be a, a difference mm -hmm. in all the different groups yeah. but like you said you should want to take advantage of the strengths and figure out ways to like bring all the strengths together instead of everybody focusing on you know the the dip the differences i don't yeah. know where i was trying to go with that but. i mean in my opinion if if somebody's really good at something 
again, take advantage of that and then learn from that. Mm -hmm. Like, what are they doing that everybody else isn't doing? Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was reading something. It was talking about how, I want to say like 2050, like the, I think the majority of America by about 2050 will be mixed races. Mm -hmm. So like, um, you know, most, most people who are black aren't like straight from like your, right. your lineage isn't just an African. Mm -hmm. Like you have either, you know, some white person was in your family or some Native American mm -hmm. or something like that. By, it was saying like by 2050, the majority of people, so right now the majority of America is white people. Mm -hmm. It was saying by like 2050, the majority of people in America will be a mixed breed. Like, mm -hmm. you, like you'll have one parent who's one thing and another parent who's another right. majority race. So I think that will be, that'll be an interesting time to live in, yeah. in my opinion. I think that'll be awesome as far as like, like Mexican food. Like I love right. eating some Mexican yeah. food. So like think of majority families are completely different cultures. Like food will be better. Music will be better. Like <laughs> everything's going to be yeah. different. And everything's just going to be better because we're taking advantage right. of what other people's cultures are and not suppressing it because, like, oh, you do that too good. We don't. We don't right. want that mixing with the yeah. rest of our stuff. So that's that's one thing I look forward mm -hmm. to. I, I agree with that. I think that just from from when I was younger, seeing like there, I feel like I've seen a, a huge jump in like interracial relationships in the South more so. I, my boyfriend and I went to Chicago a couple of years ago and that was probably the most like comfortable I felt than <laughs> anywhere crazy. I've ever been because it was just like everybody was just like we're cool with it. You yeah. know like whatever we're cool and that's not something you always get mm. in the South. So. You gotta move. I know. You gotta move. <laughs> I know. That's my goal. When my lease is up I have like a little vision board and I'm like June. You got I'm out of here. So if you can move anymore, where'd you want to go? Uh, I'm really, I love the ocean, mm. but I'm not really sure if the ocean is for, I'm really between like going to like Colorado or Wyoming or something on like the, I mean not Wyoming, um, Washington, Washington or you know something over there um, on the west coast, maybe even California. I don't, I'm kind of like a, I like Memphis because it's a, it's a really big small city mm -hmm. you know like it's like for me coming from my little town this is big yeah. but I realized it's not when I went to Chicago my mind was blown I was like, wow <laughs> this is huge this is this is big yeah. but um I like the the pace of Memphis um so I feel like in like a big large city I might not do as as well mm -hmm. um but yeah I'm thinking either ocean or west coast and maybe I'll go one and just see how it goes and be like, oh, maybe I'll try something different. But is your boyfriend from here? Yes, he is oh, from Memphis as well. So it's no like, hey, let's move back to where your family is. Yeah, comes. yeah. It's <laughs> where, yes, here. Okay. So. Well, I have lived uh, just in Alabama and I lived in uh, North Dakota for like three years and that's where I met Rachel. But um, so I, the program that I went to to learn the stuff that I do, um, it was in Milwaukee. Okay. And so. I was there from January to April, mm -hmm. the worst time. It was colder there than it had been in like ten years. Uh, yeah, it got down. To I like don't like cold. Yeah, it I got down to like mm -hmm. negative forty when I was there. But um, Milwaukee's pretty cool. nice, though. Yeah, it's it's a good diversity and stuff like that. Um, it was a good area, but let's see, North Dakota was. <laughs> That was, that was an experience. Yeah. Was it but, very white? Like, oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, the snow and the people. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. But um, let's see. So me and Rich, we went to uh, Theodore Roosevelt uh, mm -hmm. National Park. That was a very beautiful place. That was awesome. We really wanted to go to Glacier National Park. That is in Montana, I believe. And everybody says that's like one of the most beautiful parks. Yellowstone's over toward that way, mm -hmm. but I hear Glacier is, is better. And then, uh, so I actually interviewed for the Owens Corning here. And then after I interviewed here, I had to take a flight. I had to take a flight to uh, Los Angeles mm -hmm. because I, I flew in there. And Jesus, it's like a, okay. a massive bluff. <laughs> but yeah, so I had to fly to Los Angeles and I stayed on Hermosa Beach. That's, mm -hmm. that's where my hotel was, but I have a friend who lives in uh, San Diego. So I went to go see him down there. So I flew there Monday night, got there late Monday night, and then just, I kind of toured around. Uh, the The plant that I was interviewing at was in Compton. And so I drove around that area and that was different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a little different, but I definitely enjoyed being over there. And I got to see uh, the Coliseum, USC. Uh, I got to see it's like a Universal Studios or something oh, over wow. there. That was really dope. And what else did I see? Where were you from in Alabama? I'm from Northeast Alabama. Okay. Aniana is okay. the name of the city. And I went to high school to see. I graduated with like 100 people. Mm -hmm. It was about 100 people. And how many, how many people did you graduate with? 60. 60. Oh. You knew everybody's middle <laughs> name. Last name, their parents' names, where everybody was from, their Jesus. siblings' names, you know, everything. God almighty. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm from a small town, so. But to me, I like bigger areas, but not like too big. So Memphis, Memphis is, is great. It's yeah. great. Um, when I was interviewing over there in Los Angeles, I was like, this is cool and all. Because I went to the beach. I went to Muscle Beach yeah. down there. And um I started like taking pictures of people working out and then they were like, hey, could you take some other pictures and video? I was like, yeah, sure. So uh, I started taking pictures of them. It was like a bunch of young guys. Yeah. And um, they were like, here, here's some money. I'm like, no, 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 you're fine. They're like, no, no, you got to take it. I'm like, all right, thanks. Yeah. And so just like that, that environment yeah. was just cool to be mm -hmm. in. And um, then even when I went to San Diego with my friend, like I went to the beach and there was like some, uh, I don't know if it was seals or, um, whatever that was down there but got to see those and I was like I can do this all the time yeah. <laughs> but at the same time like the gas was like four or something yeah <laughs> and the, the cost of living is just so high so mm -hmm. I was like I think Memphis is like one of the most affordable in the yeah country. so that's what I was looking at I yeah. was like do I want this different lifestyle or do I want to live comfortable and yeah. then be able to do whatever because I can go visit Right. Los Angeles for a week and then come back mm -hmm. <laughs> come back to earth yeah <laughs> so that was one thing I thought about so for you in your future definitely think about somewhere that you feel comfortable mm -hmm. I think uh, probably that Colorado area they say a lot of people are like fit over there and mm -hmm. they just they like healthy lifestyle yeah. and stuff like that so I think that'd be good for you but um, just find a place I think that you feel comfortable first and then go to places that you right. you know want to have fun, want to live because that like people don't really understand the concept of America. Like we're basically multiple countries 
our it's state. It's like a whole different lifestyle when you go from like South to Midwest yeah. to West, West Coast, East. You know, like, yeah. yeah, you can tell a huge difference. It's like a whole different exactly. lifestyle. It's like going from Germany to the Netherlands mm -hmm. or going from Spain to Ireland. Mm -hmm. You get that all in America. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's why I really enjoy like me and Rachel. I think have been to like thirty something states. Okay, awesome. Yeah, just by driving around, then yeah. we'll stop and like check it out, and then we'll just keep going. So we do want to like continue to go out of the country. Like we've been to Canada, we've been to Winnipeg, and uh, we really want to go to like other countries. But take advantage of that, um, as you were talking about, like looking into like how people educate and just how people function in other countries. I don't think as Americans we really value that as we should, mm -hmm. but it's yeah, awesome. it is. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Well. It's been great having it you has on. Been. Oh, yes, man. thank you so much. It's two hours. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that it was good. flew by. It did. <laughs> it did. Well, um, maybe maybe I'll have you on another time. Yeah. Uh, get you to Decoration do something. Do something. I really to this. would like to. So. Yeah, no joke. I have to have to see about that. But mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what's what's your plans? What's what's next? You said you got goals. What's goals? Yeah. What's next? Um, I'm. Trying to try to do some more murals. I've done three in and two in Memphis, one in my hometown. I'm kind of I have like two more lined up. I saw you did the one at your high school. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. Yeah, thank dope. you. It was exciting to get to like do. I was like you know always wanted to draw walls but wasn't couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And so like getting the opportunity to paint something like inspiring where I used to have so much inspiration for my sport was a fun experience. Um, I'm really just. Trying to figure out um, where I want, how I want to expand my art business, um, what kind of, it's, it's hard to like, it's so much, I could ramble on for yeah. another like hour and a half, <laughs> so um, I'm just really just trying to figure out what inspires me every day, what yeah. is empowering, what people like because that's important too if you mm -hmm. want to sell it you gotta people gotta yeah. like it um yeah. i have um an art show i'm doing i'm preparing for in november so it's going to be in downtown memphis at the vault okay. g patterson so i'm excited about that um it's my first art show since my senior thesis so like i had a senior thesis art show and then this one so awesome. i'm excited Great. Yeah. Well, yeah, if anybody needs some art, definitely hit Sam up. What's your Instagram name? It's um, at IM.SamArt. Cool. So. And uh, I'll probably have her do some stuff in this room. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so anything else you need to plug in? Or? I, think, I think that's it. That's it? Yeah. That's boring. I know. <laughs> I work that. I'll figure something out. All right. All right. Thank you for everybody for listening and tune in next time for whoever I have on. Don't know who it is. Maybe it might be Sam again. <laughs> I would love to come back. So. All right. Thank you, everybody.